Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks, that's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say the run-up. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm going to beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome into Sunday Fun Day with Socks on Tap. It's Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve discussing this White Sox sweep of the Tigers. Steve, that is sweet to say. Hey, yo, Johnny. Anytime that you sweep Detroit, because remember, folks, Detroit sucks. It is just too sweet. Get the brooms out. Get the brooms out. I'm happy. Hey, Steve. And hey, this... you know what? Let's fucking crack them. Yeah, abso- absolutely. All right, so this was the final series of the bum slaying tour or what should have been the bum slaying tour. Okay. They definitely did not perform up to the standards that I think all of us envisioned during this. However, finishing on a high note is good, especially after the kind of fire comments that were circulating on Wednesday, Thursday um, of last week. And obviously a very lackluster uh, series over in Kansas city. So Steve, Initial thoughts here. I'm happy they did it in the fashion in which they did it. They showed a little bit of that fight and maybe some fire. You know, this is their first sweep at home all season. So it came at an appropriate time, a time when it needed to happen. We were obviously all kind of down in the dumps after that pathetic performance in Kansas City, dropping three out of four there. So I think a lot of us came into this weekend series against a terrible Detroit team thinking, okay, well, they're going to lose Friday and then they'll just, they'll get the last two. Cause that's just kind of what they do. So to see them kind of right the ship a little bit, get the sweep. And they're actually on a five game winning streak at home. Now, uh, first time that has happened all season coming into, um, this weekend series here, they had not won more than two consecutive games at home all year. So for them to be able to do that finally is a good sign. And, as you mentioned there, look, the 19-game stretch, they go 11-8. and eight. That's not what we were looking for out of this, ultimately. Um, you're two and a half games out now, and you've got a huge week coming up right now. So they did what they needed to do this weekend. Yeah, right. All right. We'll, we'll get into a little bit of uh, the specifics of this sweep of uh, for the White Sox over the Tigers. Uh, that series preview, big one coming up, um, like you mentioned. We'll get into all of that. But, listeners, make sure you're going and subscribing to Antep Sportsnet on YouTube so you can jump in the comments section here and we can feature them live during the show. Go and check out OntapSportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at SoxOnTap at ONTAP Sports event. All right, Steve, most recent game here. Um, let, let's talk Sunday. Sunday fun day. It was on the south side. It was Lance Lynn day. Um, solid overall day from the pitching staff. Let's start at the top with Lance Lynn. Six innings, five hits, two runs. Uh, they were both earned, even though that is in question. Could have been uh, gone a different way, but he didn't walk anyone. Struck out seven. Was able to pick up the win here. Uh, would you like from Lance this Sunday afternoon? Lance was aggressive in the strike zone, going after this bum-ass Detroit Tigers lineup. That's what you want to see from a veteran pitcher going out there, establishing the fastball early and often, as I talk about on an almost nightly basis here. 
but especially against a punch and Judy hitting team like the Tigers, go out there, be aggressive at them. Don't pussyfoot around, pound the strike zone. He did that, and the results were good today. You know, he had a pretty nice cutter again today. So it's a couple a couple starts in a row here. I know the results from the Kansas City outing were a little bit skewed because of the multiple two run homers that he did give up. Um, and it was talked about on the broadcast, just the fact that he has had the home run problem this year. He was able to mitigate that today, obviously. So all in all, you have to feel positive about what we saw from the big bastard today. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, I was there in attendance and uh, I liked what I saw. Um, in addition to that cutter that you mentioned, I think the curveball was a pitch that was working for him as well. And that's necessary for him um, with that speed, with all of those kind of, you know, the, the cutter and the sinker and uh, the, the four seam, all that, whatever it is there that mix the variations of the fastball, they're all similar in velocity. So the curveball is really the only one that's going to give you that kind of change up in velocity, really. So I like to really kind of change of the eye levels yes. a little bit of, of the hitters there just with the uh horizontal break on it that is kind of different from the rest of his repertoire so um i talked about that early on in the season maybe needing to see him start sprinkling that in a little bit more just to change and, and kind of give the hitters um a, a different element and something else that they have to think about when they are in the box against him and it looks like he and ethan katz kind of went back to the drawing board and they have been incorporating that into the mix a little bit more which is positive right yeah no it's a good sign good, good to see that and like you said I, I kind of agree with the um results from kansas city maybe maybe a little bit skewed when you're looking at that however uh when you do go and look at the box score it was um you know Comparing that outing to this one, definitely a bounce back performance here. And it was good to see it. That's what you should do against a bum team like the Detroit Tigers. So let's continue on the pitching theme here, Steve. And Mr. James Lambert comes into the ball game and we need to talk about him a little bit. I know you and I have talked personally about him and so oh, he could be a serviceable piece near and there, but he came in, did his job today, uh, pitched one and a third and struck out all four batters he faced. What do you like from Jimmy Lambert here? He looked fucking nasty today going out there. High spin fastball, especially elevated up in the strike zone. This is another guy that I think could be on a similar career trajectory to Ronaldo Lopez, who has really turned into a stellar piece in the back end of this Sox bullpen. And I think Lambert can be a guy kind of starting out in more lower leverage situations here, getting comfortable at the major league level, pitching out of the bullpen with consistency. Saw some back and forth on Twitter.com earlier today, people wondering if maybe he's an option as a number five starter going into next season. At this juncture right now, I really think that his his future and his ultimate path to longevity on the White Sox roster here is in the bullpen. And with those two guys right there, and this kind of piggybacks off a piece I wrote specifically about Lopez, maybe about six weeks ago in Lopez and, and Lambert, this is what you want to do is you want to be able to have guys like this, that you develop internally guys that were starters coming up through the minor leagues and even a little bit at the major league level here that ultimately didn't have the stuff to stick in a starting rotation and then can transition into a bullpen role and ultimately work themselves into higher leverage positions that prevents you from having to spend eight to $10 million on Joe Kelly's on Kendall Graveman's because if you can do that internally while you have guys making the league minimum, it's going to allow you to wait for it, allocate your resources to other areas to improve your baseball team. Yeah, right. It, it, it's a small kind of sample here that we're looking at, but it paints a bigger picture uh, like you just outlined there. I think you did that well. But I like, you know, obviously you can't complain. Jimmy Lambert was that's exactly what you want to see. Uh, four strikeouts. They didn't even have a chance uh, as Tigers hitters. So uh, Jake Diekman comes uh, uh, in after him in that inning, uh, records the final two outs uh, in, in the eighth and then in the ninth. White Sox not 
uh, going to William Hendricks after some work in both Friday and Saturday night's games. Obviously, big series coming up here. But Graveman did uh, make things eh, a little interesting, the home run and then a single there. However, was able to lock it down, and the White Sox provided him with some insurance runs uh, at the end here. So uh, anything on the back end of the bullpen before we get into the offense? They got the job done. As you mentioned, um, you know, Kendall wasn't locked down in that ninth inning. And I think there was kind of a couple of contrasting schools of thought as far as whether or not they should have gone to Hendricks today, um, you know, which would have been his third day in a row, or should they give him the day off to have him ready for Houston tomorrow? Um, I was fine with the decision to utilize Kendall Graveman here today. Um, yeah, that's kind of one of the reasons why you signed him was that in the event if Liam Hendricks wasn't available is that you had a guy with ninth inning experience getting outs 25, 6, and 7. So it wasn't necessarily pretty today, but it did get the job done. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, everyone went home happy. Uh, it was a happy crowd there exiting uh, the bridge over um, you know, 35th Street there. So um, that's about wraps it up for the pitching here. Let's, let's talk offense, Steve. And A.J. Pollock in the leadoff role. Um, you know, our guy Tony uh, had written a piece on tapsports.com about, you know, A.J. Pollock, leadoff hitter, question mark. Well, he's answering the bell right now, and he goes deep for the second consecutive day. What, what are we seeing from Pollock right now? You know, this is what's really fascinating. When Timmy went on the IL the first time and we saw Danny Mendick step up, um, and he was kind of inserted in that leadoff spot for a, a number of games there. And he really kind of positioned himself to earn some more playing time with before his injury happened there. We're seeing AJ Pollock step up in a similar fashion. This is a veteran guy that's been around for a long time and been a productive major league player for whatever the reason he's had a bad year overall, but just something about being inserted in that top spot in the lineup kind of re-energizes him a little bit it's it's a small it's fun with small sample sizes it's some randomness but ride it just ride it while it's hot and he's going out there and he's getting the job done um extra base hits which have been very sparse for this team this year he provided two of them today now the one thing i wasn't overly thrilled with was on the double that he had um he kind of shut it down a little bit early. He could have easily gotten a third base when Riley Green didn't handle that ball cleanly on the warning track. And that's something we've seen too often from this team this year. So definitely would like to see that cleaned up. But you have to be pleased with him going out there and providing some extra base capabilities uh, for this team when they desperately need it. That's exactly what I was going to parlay this discussion into. And hey, Steve, I don't know, but stringing together multiple extra base hits in a row might actually be good. We're working to confirm here. But I've reached out to multiple sauces. On yes, this. Let's, let's look at a little evidence here uh, in the uh, bottom of the fifth. A.J. Pollock uh, gets on with a double and then Eloy Jimenez comes up a couple batters later, laces another double. And guess what? That gets a guy around to score, whereas a single might not have gotten the job done. Wild Weird. how that works. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> really is. I mean, it's just something that we've been lacking all season. So it was, I will say, refreshing to go and see that in the bottom of the fifth inning. And then um, a little bit, you know, and we this is something that we've talked about. The White Sox not taking advantage of other teams' mistakes uh, when, when they're given them. Well, they did that today. Uh, granted, it was a little bit of luck uh, on Andrew Vaughn's uh, what should have been a double play ball there. However, he ran it out, which is good to see. And then uh, the throw uh, was not able to be handled uh, there at first base. So dropped, and that was able to bring Eloy Jimenez around home to score. Um, Steve, it was refreshing to finally see this. Feels like we're on the other end of this way too much. You are 100% right, Johnny. Far too often this season, it, the roles have been reversed where the Sox have been on the opposite end of this situation. So to see another team not execute defensively um, was, was very nice. And 
I couldn't help but laugh, you know, watching Andrew Vaughn run down the line. He gets to first base. He thinks he's out. He slams his helmet. And then, and then you see, um, uh, Reyes doesn't handle or Castro. I can't remember who, which one of them was playing first base, couldn't handle the throw. And so that ultimately allowed that go ahead run to score there. But like you talked about there, the fact that he was actually running hard on that, well, hard for Andrew Vaughn anyway, um, you know, that kind of forced that issue there a little bit. If it's a situation where he's kind of shutting it down as so many of these guys have been doing here in recent weeks, maybe that throw doesn't get rushed the way it does. And it turns into a routine double play. So we're what can happen when you actually go and try to put pressure on an opposing defense. Yeah. It was nice seeing that put the white Sox in the driver's seat there um, at a score of three to two at the time. Um, and then uh, he comes up and this ended up being the deciding run. Uh, and he provides some insurance uh, in the bottom of the eighth. It was very nice to see the white Sox tech on multiple insurance runs, but Vaughn gets it going uh, with chapter 13 of Vaughn gone summer, Steve, uh, the power production, Hey, the multi home run strategy at play here. Hey, it works. It's it's a time-tested method, and it paid off once again. Look at that. The Sox out-homered their opponent, and they won a baseball game. I've been saying this for a couple, two, three weeks now. They should try it more often. It's, yeah. a, it's a good strategy. Yeah, they, and they, they could really use that, especially with the big series coming up that we're about to preview at the end of this episode. But one more th- note on this, Steve, in the bottom of the eighth here. I, I, I got to uh, point this out because it was Sebi Zavala. A, credit to him for smacking that ball down the line, um, and it was going to drop in, going to most likely be a single. I would have imagined maybe deep uh, test it for two. I don't know. However, Eric Haas, who had entered the game previously uh, a couple innings prior as a pinch hitter, not fully acclimated out there yet playing out there in left field. And guess what? He slips up and the White Sox able to take advantage with another one. Josh Harrison coming around to score on that. Another situation, Steve, taking advantage twice in one game. What is this? What 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 are we doing here? Being opportunistic, who knew that the 2022 White Sox were allowed to even do that? Um, you know, I talked earlier about AJ Pollock, you know, kind of shutting it down early and ultimately costing the Sox 90 feet when he could have been easily on third base. We saw the inverse of that with Josh Harrison on that particular play. He was busting it uh, immediately on contact, which, you know, when he saw the bobble, he got a good read on it and that allowed him to go first to home on that play. Uh, Harrison is historically a very aggressive and I think pretty instinctive base runner. And he showed that in that circumstance again, right there. But again, you know, he got a good read on it was running on contact and he, he forced the action on that yeah. and they were able to take advantage of it. And you yeah, love to right. See it. Right. And uh, Josh Harrison was wheeling. I think he's moving at like 27.1 feet per second. That's what it said uh, on the scoreboard there after. So that was excellent to see. And obviously uh, gave, you know, a little more breathing room there in the ninth inning, especially when you don't have your everyday closer um, out there trying to, uh, you know, avoid the three days in a row there. Uh, So Graveman did have a little bit of room to work with. And also I will say in the crowd definitely was not as, you know, tense in the ninth inning, even after the home run, it's like, okay, let's settle down. We go regroup. You know, still pick up this win, and that is exactly what happened. So White Sox take this game, uh, series finale, 5-3, to three, sweep the weekend series. we got a question here that I think relates to what I'm about to talk to you here. So Joe C. asks, did the Cueto talk work? And Steve, I don't know specifically. Like I said, I like we've said all year on the show, I wish I could be fly on the wall in that clubhouse. However, we are not, but let's look at what happened here. And obviously the Thursday was a letdown. The comments came out, it was Wednesday after he had thrown in that game at Kansas City, so he makes those comments there. Thursday's when it all kind of circulated. You got another flat effort on Thursday to close out the Kansas City City series. Obviously doesn't look like it initially. However, 
when you go and look at each game this weekend, obviously Friday was a different story. That was a very low scoring game. Only uh, one hit played in two runs there. But when I go and I look at Saturday's game and then today's game, the ability to overcome deficits and sure that, you know, you got to look at the talent that you're playing against. However, they were not able to do that in Kansas City prior, right? There was a lack of fire there. However, they did not give up in these games. When you trail multiple times and you're able to come back and rally, that is what good teams do. That is what resilient baseball teams do. That is what teams that are playing with some fire do. So in a way, just looking at the results on the field and the manner in which they won the last two games of the series, I would say the Cueto talk may have worked, at least to start here. So there's a couple of things here. You know, when the comments first came out from, from John Cueto, my reaction was was this. This is a veteran guy. This is a World Series champion, a pitcher that has been on a lot of competitive teams and pitched in a lot of high-stakes games. So his opinion and what he thinks is going on in the clubhouse carries a lot of weight. He has a lot of gravitas, as they like to say. And there are a lot of people that say, oh, well, you know, that doesn't really mean anything. You know, they, and people wanted to try to equate it to, um, saying that he was lighting a fire under this team that Tony LaRusso wasn't. And you have the, the TLR defenders kind of saying, well, you know, these are professional athletes. They don't, they shouldn't need anyone to be able to light a fire under them. The thing about it is, is this, whether it's playing on a team where sometimes you can just drown out the coach's messaging. And if it comes from one of your peers or in, in a professional context with what I do on a day-to-day basis or, or what, what other people can do, Sometimes you just get to a point where you just the message that comes from your direct supervisor or your or your manager just kind of falls on deaf ears. And so if it comes from one of your peers, if they're one of the guys that are out there fighting with you and they're looking you in the eye and saying, you know, the effort's fucking dog shit. We need to pick it up. That carries weight. And especially again, coming from a guy like Johnny Cueto, who has been as successful and been around for as long as he has. Andrew Vaughn actually talked about this um, in the post-game comments. I think it was yesterday or, or today. I can't, I can't remember which game it was. But um, he was specifically asked, you know, about Johnny Cueto's comments. He said, yeah, it seems like there is a little bit more fire with this team right now. So, you know, it's, it's a small sample here. It's three games, like you said, against a bad team. We'll see what happens if this has a carryover effect now going forward. And if in some way, could this potentially be the springboard that this team needs? We're going to know a week from today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A big one coming up. And we are about to preview that here uh, on the Sox on tap Sunday, Funday show. Uh, we appreciate everybody. Thank you for that comment. Uh, that question there uh, in the comment section, go and join them uh, on tap sports on YouTube, subscribe, get those questions in here. And we talk about them here uh, during the show live. Um, but Steve, um, it, w- when I'm like looking at this kind of whole situation, like you said, it, it will be more of a gauge here this upcoming week when you have one of the best teams, uh, in the, excuse me, the best team in the American league coming through uh, to play at 30, fifth and shield so um i don't know i i guess it's too early to fully answer that question however i did like what i see what i saw in the early returns so um i can ride that for now feel good about it um at least until 7 10 p.m on monday <laughs> evening so we'll see what happens there it'll be johnny cueto back on the bump steve and this going to open up a master series four gamer against these houston astros uh he will go up against jose Urquidy, and um they, what are you expecting from this matchup it's a big one it's going to be fascinating to watch because obviously in his first outing against the Astros back in June, Cueto was out there and had a dominant performance. I think he won either seven or eight shutout innings against them. So 
they're going to have a little bit of relatively recent experience against him. So how Johnny's able to go out there and kind of alter his game plan and his approach against this Astros lineup is going to be fascinating. Um, you know, the Astros going to have a little bit of a different look to the lineup this time. No Michael Brantley as he's done for the year. You insert Trey Mancini into this lineup now. So somewhat of a different dynamic. Um, associated with this Houston group. And we all know this is one of the best offenses in the game. So Johnny's got to go out there, be aggressive within the strike zone. We know that he's not going to miss a lot of bats. Uh, the ball's going to be put in play. So definitely would like to see a little bit more of a defensive first lineup out there tomorrow, uh, I think particularly in the outfield. So that'll be fascinating to watch with that. And, you know, Jose Urquidy is a guy that, his home road splits are pretty drastic this year. That was a graphic that they showed on the screen um, here today during during the ballgame previewing that matchup. So this would be a good opportunity for the Sox bats to come to life here, continue building some positive momentum against a guy that has struggled away from home. Right. Yeah. Um, if the White Sox are going to get done here uh, at the plate, who's going to help them out? Let's get a pick to click uh, going here. And then I do want to talk a little bit about the rest of the series, but let's focus Monday game uh, pick to click here. Yeah. So for tomorrow's pick to click, I am going to say, um, I'm going to say Vaughn gone summer. I, I think, I think we're going to see chapter 14 tomorrow. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Um, all right, uh, I'll go. Guy that was not in the lineup today probably should be back. I uh, did hit a home run uh, just uh, most recently. It's only his third of the year, but it'll be Osmani uh, yeah, Grandal. I would imagine uh, he'll be back in the lineup after sitting out um, today, whether that be in a DH or a uh, behind-the-plate capacity. I know Sevy caught all of today, so um, if they're alternating there, uh, I would imagine to be yes. I'll go with him. We need him to light it up. We, we talked about him being an X-factor, so uh, – Come on, we, we play in a hitter-friendly ballpark. Let's start launching some of these babies out. Uh, light up the scoreboard. We love fireworks here at Sox on Tap. So uh, I'll go with Yaz. I like yours a little bit better, though, Andrew Vaughn. So um, I'm not going to double up on that. We'll, we'll, we'll split it and see uh, how the outcome uh, shakes out tomorrow night. Um, so that, that was just game one, though. Um, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the series, Steve, because this is a big one. And Tuesday is going to be an absolute gem. You and I will be in attendance, and it's going to be Dylan Cease on the mound for the Sox. Justin Verlander for the Astros. This is primetime, big name, playoff atmosphere type matchup here. The Sox nemesis, Justin Verlander, coming back to 35th and Shields, guy that has been a pain in my fucking ass since 2009 when he figured finally figured out how to start beating the Sox on a consistent basis. Um, Sox got to him earlier on this year in Houston in a game where he was paired up against Johnny Cueto. Um, that was a start that the Sox were ultra aggressive in their approach. Um, kind of caught Verlander a little bit off guard and they were very aggressive early and counts on him. So, you know, being the cerebral pitcher that he is and, and one of the best pitchers of his generation, he's made mental note of that. So how he goes about adjusting his strategy to attack this Sox lineup is going to be fascinating to see. It's also going to be interesting to see, is Luis Robert back in the lineup uh, for, for this series here? Because if he is, that obviously adds an added dimension to this team, um, makes him a little more dangerous offensively there in a number of different capacities. Dylan Cease, you know, look, it's been well talked about. Um, the 13th start stretch that he's on right now with like a 0.66 ERA. You know, this is one of the most dominant stretches in the last hundred years in the American league. I mean, even Brian Kenny is talking about it on MLB network. So, you know, that's uh, kind of a big deal. The one thing is, you know, 
he's consistently only going about six innings here. And this Astros lineup is one that takes a lot of pitches, works a lot of deep counts. So Dylan's going to have to have fine command and be able to pepper the strike zone here. He can't afford to fall behind in counts to these Astros hitters because that's when bad things happen. So if he's able to do that, have the good slider working and kind of have two different sliders going, one that he can throw for strikes early in the count and then the put away slider to complement that high fastball here, he's going to be in good position to go out there and have another strong quality outing. Yeah, when I look at stuff like this, man, um, I remember back in the day, back when Justin Verlander was still on the Tigers and there was like matchups, Chris Sale, didn't matter if the White Sox were like bad at the time. I wanted to get out the ballpark and go see it. So you and I will be there in intense. I can't wait. It's going to be a doozy. It's going to be a fun night uh, in general, and that's going to just going to be a great matchup on the field. So uh, I'm thoroughly looking forward to Tuesday uh, evening. That's another 7-10 start. Uh, it'll be, you know, four-game set, so they close it down. Uh, Kopech gets the ball Wednesday against Fromber Valdez. And then in the series finale, potential for Atlanta. McCullers seeing him, um, but right now Luis Garcia listed as that starter and Lucas Giolito will go for the White Sox. So, Steve, uh, I guess prediction time. Um, I would think the White Sox fair here. I mean, you know, I know we're feeling okay uh, after a sweep here, but you're going from a basement dweller to the cream of the crop here. Yeah, you really are. And the Astros are hot coming into this thing. As you mentioned here, they've got the best record in the American League, they've had the best record in the AL since the All Star break. I don't feel great going into this thing. Admittedly, um, they really had to kind of scratch and claw this weekend in the series against the Detroit Tigers here. So if they can find a way to get a split out of these four games here, I'll be, I'll be happy. I'm going to go with that as my prediction, Steve. Um, I think that, you know, it's hard to say because I'm not in the clubhouse. However, there does seem to be at least a little bit more sense of urgency. And granted, that could all change on the third of a dime year as uh, so things start to go south uh, early or if it's a blowout or something like that, morale can really drop. However, um, if there was time to nut up and get it done, uh, it's now. And honestly, a split with the Astros. I know we, we want to be talking about, you know, playing the best teams tough and, you know, beating them consistently. That's just not where they're at right now, though. So you hold on, get a split here, uh, and then hopefully pick it up uh, and take at least two or three over the weekend in Cleveland. That's kind of my game plan to attack uh, this week. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out here, but um, it'll be a fun time here. Follow along at Sox on Tap, uh, on tapsportsnet.com, where you need to go for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Subscribe on YouTube on tap sports net uh, and then press a little uh, notification things. So, you know, when we go live, sh- sure to have some good shows uh, after the games in this Astro series. So Steve, leave me with a final thought and then we will bounce from here. Took care of business this weekend. Build the momentum. You're three games over 500 for the first time since August or excuse me, since uh, April, you're two and a half out. You got a big week coming up here. Show us what you got. Yeah, that's it. Nut up, get it done, and my God, I cannot wait for Tuesday. I, I got to say it again just because it's going to be awesome. I, I, I love a good pitcher's duel, and I'm really looking forward to seeing two of the best, uh, two Cy Young candidates go at it at 35th and Shield. So I'll do it. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Sox on Tap Sunday Funday. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.